Good morning. I'm so glad to be here. This is awesome. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Good to hear. Uh, Super friendly church you have. It's awesome. It's amazing. I was getting my microphone put on and um, the person helping me went right up the back of my shirt instead of the doing my coat. It's Friendly. Friendlier than I thought. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it wasn't Linda. So. Uh, so glad to be here. My name's Andy. I'm the chaplain at the Erie City Mission, and uh, it's an honor to be able to come and, and speak at your church today. <clears throat> I do that part-time. I have a business. I run uh, leadership development, life coaching, and uh, do all kinds of fun, different things. Glad to be here. Uh, h- how many people have ever gotten in a fight. <laughs> Ever get? All right, yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> fight. Yeah, I got in this fight one time. Uh, only fight that I really ever have been in it was third grade. Um, <clears throat> it was, uh, I mean, just a horrible, just violent fight in third grade. I was on the bus, a friend of mine sitting with me, and we started like, you know, just kind of nudging, playing, and then and then, like, he, like, jabbed me in the ribs. I was like, so I shoved him, and he shoved me. And <clears throat> all the best fights are always on the bus, because it's like, you know, things stopping and starting, and everybody's all over. And then you get, like, a, you know, a protective circle around you. And, <clears throat> and uh, he was actually in second grade. Uh, <laughs> but he was, he was bigger than me. <laughs> And, uh, I, you know, it just started, like, I don't know how. I, mean, I can remember it so vividly in my head that us fighting, like, we're, he's, like, punching me, and I'm, like, punching him in the face, and, like, oh, like third grade, like, so, like, I saw this on TV one time. I'll, so, I don't know, broke it up. That was the only fight. I never wanted that experience ever again. It was so horrible. It was the only fight I've ever been in uh, until earlier this year. See, we do this fundraiser at the city mission called Knockout Homelessness. And, you know, every year I watch this fight and I see the bizarros up there and some yahoo from the community. I don't know if you've ever been there. Some awesome person from the community that helps us raise money. And, uh, does it, does it, and it just looks, I'm always watching like, this is boring. Look at these guys, man. I could take this person. There's never been a city mission person, I've never an employee. I was the very first city mission employee in the 11 years of knockout homelessness. And I, I uh, you know, you may know a guy as Pastor Rick. You know, you guys know him? So, uh, so glad he left. So, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, he would never let me, I, I kept asking every year. I was like trying to get in it. And I don't know what the deal was, but he never let me like get in the fight. So we got a new executive director and he I, apparently wanted to see me get punched in the face. He was like, yeah, get in there, Andy. Let's watch this. This will be hilarious. The chaplain. So uh, I, you know, I was the, we, we threw around some names, you know, the pastor of disaster. Uh, <laughs> The chaplain of chaos, that one was, yeah, yeah. Minister of mayhem, that was a good one. So, like, I got in, and there, there's this training. They, they train you to box. 
And I'd, I'd done some martial arts. I thought, you know, how hard could this be? This guy, I mean, like this bizarro guy, you know, Louis Jr., right? Awesome guy. Just so nice uh, and really like kind of a gentle dude, you know? He's like helpful and kind. Um, and like, how tough can this be? Uh, and he was a professional fighter. And, you know, I thought, you know, I've taken some martial arts. I could probably do this, you know. And we get in the, the ring, and we, we have to practice, and they're going to train me to box. And so I put on the gloves, and I stepped in the ring at first time and for practice. And he punched me so hard <laughs> that it spun my headgear around so that the hole that you look out was over here. And I was like, all right, I see your strategy. <laughs> I mean, I, I lasted, we're going to go three rounds in practice. After a round and a half, it was three minutes around, after a round and a half, I was doubled over in the corner, sucking wind. I couldn't pick my arms up, and he's just... He's not even breathing hard. And one, I mean, he had no anxiety. You know, he was not scared at all. Just absolutely defenseless against this guy. He could, it felt like he was punching me from every direction. And I, I mean, partway through, I was so tired, I couldn't lift my arms up. Which I don't know if you know much about boxing. That's important. You know, like, it was, so you had, like, all this training went into this fight to, to just make it through three rounds of boxing with this guy. And he could hit me at will. Like, it, it didn't matter. Sometimes he would just butt me in the forehead just to remind me that he could kill me. <laughs> but, and one time he hit me so hard, he, and I don't know how it happened, but he punched me in the back of the head. I don't know, I'm like, what, how did, and it, it like cracked my neck. I heard a, everybody, everybody stopped. It was like, like a shotgun. I was like, oh no, I'm fine. <laughs> I've never, I've never really gone to a chiropractor. I went to the chiropractor and uh, they had this sheet you fill out and it said, when did you start to feel the pain? And this is what I literally wrote right after Louis Jr. punched me in the head. <laughs> it was pretty much there from then on. Just when I, you know, I, I feel like you know all of us face difficulties, face obstacles, challenges. There's a fight that we're all kind of in in this life. I mean, this world is broken, right? It it doesn't work like it should, and oftentimes people. You know, say that you're either coming into a trial, you're in the middle of a trial, or you're coming out of a trial. I mean, that's pretty much trial always in life. Because sin has entered the world, and it's broken, and it doesn't work the way it should, and so everything is a struggle. And, and you may know somebody, you may be in the middle of a fight, some kind of huge obstacle that you're not quite sure what to do. 
And I feel like life is often like, do you ever go to the airport, you know those flat escalator things? I don't know, the people movers? I, I, like, I like getting on those going the wrong way, um, just because I, I think it's fun. Um, but I feel like that is what life is like. There's no standing still in life. On those, you know, you stand still, you go backwards. You, you, have, to, you have to move at a particular pace to make up any ground. And life is the same way. You have to work at it. You have to strive. You have to fight. And there are always obstacles. And I read that verse in James where James says, Consider it all joy when you face trials of all kinds. And I just want to say, shut up, James. Like, I, it is not how I feel. It doesn't match what's going on on the inside of me. So what trial, fight, or obstacle are you facing? How do you deal with them? When we were doing communion and talking about the Israelites, today we're going to look at the book of Exodus. And when Israel finds their way out, God sets them free. And they follow Moses. They have entered, the, the, they've gone through the Passover, the very first Passover, and entered that blood on the doorpost, that they literally found their deliverance and freedom as they entered through the blood of the Lamb. And we know that that is a shadow of Christ in what he has done through his death and his resurrection, that we have freedom in Christ, but we know that we still live in this broken system. How do we reconcile living as a believer? Because, you know, one of my favorite verses and promises of Jesus is John sixteen thirty three. You know what that is, right? In this world, you will have trouble. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes, that's the promise. That in this world that is broken, while you exist here, you will have trouble. So how do we deal with it? How, how did the Israelites deal with it? And I felt like when I was reading this, God was kind of speaking to me in the midst of some of my own struggles that I face. I think about that famous philosopher and the quote that he has, Mike Tyson, that everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. (laughs) So meaningful. I mean, sometimes life throws this left hook at you that you didn't see coming. It's always the one, they say, always the punch you didn't see coming that takes you out. How are we supposed to face those? If we go to Exodus chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 10 through 12. And watch how they reacted and see if there's anything that the Lord speaks to us out of his scriptures in this. So they're leaving, they're fleeing, and the Egyptians are now realizing that they had made a mistake to let them go, and they're coming after them. And right before they left, the, the Israelites plundered their neighbors, took all their gold, and left. And so now, the Pharaoh and his dudes are upset, and they're coming after them. And we pick this up in verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. See, they're walking up. They're, they're coming up to the Red Sea. There's a sea in front of them, and this army 
coming behind them. And all they have to defend themselves is the gold they took from these people. They said to Moses, this is their first response, realizing that this may not end well. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. So my instruction to you, step one, in dealing with crisis, uh, an obstacle that seems insurmountable, a fight that you're fighting against, step one, freak out. (laughs) Just freak out. Just lose your stuff. But we all do it. It's it's okay. Like, maybe it's not the right response, but it's often our response. And sometimes as Christians, we think we should be so together that that does not happen to us. That we have so much trust, we we have so much faith that we're not going to react emotionally to something that's devastating that we hear. And listen, I want you to know, it's okay. It does not take God by surprise that you lost it and said stuff you didn't mean and got upset and angry and maybe threw a thing or two. It's okay. It's not, obviously, it's not how we always want to be, but sometimes that's just it. It's the best we can muster is a really poor reaction to really bad news. Exodus 14, 13 and 14. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I think in the midst of that, we remind ourselves that that the things that we face are bigger than us. That we weren't designed to handle life alone. That you, you weren't here to do this journey alone. You weren't created to try to get through your trials alone. And if you are, you don't need to. That's the reminder. Moses says, yes, it seems big. It seems imposing. There is a sea in front of us that has a bunch of water that if you go in there, you will drown. And an army army is coming after us. But I reassure you that God knows what he's doing. He will fight for you. You only need to be still and trust. That is when we pray They're already crying out to the Lord. They're just complaining to God about Moses and why they're there. And and that's okay. That's okay. Sometimes your prayer doesn't need to be that long. Help. That is a sufficient prayer. We know that Peter prayed that, right? The only other person to walk on water besides Jesus was Peter. Jesus said, come on out of the boat. Peter got out. Like, we know Peter not for walking on water. We know Peter for sinking. That's like 
Oh, yeah, he's the one that took his eyes off Jesus and went down. But the dude walked on water first. Give him some credit, right? But he does. He takes his eyes off of Jesus. He sees the wind and the waves, and he begins to sink. And what does he say? Help! He prayed right to Jesus, who was right there. And what did Jesus do? Pulled him up. Pulled him up. He gave him some instruction afterwards, but he pulled him up. Listen, that's okay. Sometimes that's the best we can do. In the midst of a struggle, we just need to trust that God has us. He understands what we're going through. And people can, people are not helpful oftentimes. Do you know this? If you're facing something difficult, people just aren't helpful. They say stupid stuff. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Good. I mean, that's you guys, right? So, (laughs) it's all of us. Sometimes we just don't know what to say, and so we think we have to say things. I mean, my, my wife and I, when we got married, we thought we'll wait a little while to have kids. And then we, we didn't have, and then we started trying to have kids. I mean, it's awkward, but we tried. I mean, we were, anyways. So, <laughs> we didn't wait five years. <laughs> so, after, we were like, let's just see what the Lord does. We'll stop any preventing anything, and we'll go on. And nothing happened. So, at, at one point, we're like, well, we better go a little further. And we went to the doctors, and we got the things and the prescriptions and the medication and you know we paid a little more and did this thing and that thing and nothing happened and it's so fascinating what people say those people think that they need to instruct you on how to have children well you know what we did i don't want to know i don't i have no interest But that doesn't matter that you say that. It doesn't matter what you think because they'll tell you anyways. They will tell you what they did and how they got pregnant. Well, you just need to relax. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Have you tried? Well, well, you know what? I've heard that if you put like statues of elephants on in the... (laughs) Like a dragon on the man's side of the room for... What? There's these pills with flying squirrel feces in them. That's true. Somebody told us that. Doesn't work. <laughs> somebody, once, somebody one time said, hey, you know, what? We, 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 we drank, maybe you should drink some wine. Okay. Yeah, good. So we've been to the doctors, we've done the prescriptions, and we've been to the Cleveland Clinic, but you and your glass of wine is going to solve the problem. (laughs) Have you taken a cruise? (laughs) I've been on a cruise three days in the open ocean. We got hit by a tropical storm. The boat was at a 45-degree angle. Stuff's crashing off the shelves. People are running. People are scared. I was like, the staff, this normally happens. They're like, no. I was like, you know what? I wasn't in the mood. (laughs) 
Stop, just don't say, just put your arm around them. I love you. I'm sorry you're going through this tough thing. We need to trust in this. In Celebrate Recovery, we, the first three principles of Celebrate Recovery, we say, recognize I'm not God, that I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. You can't do it alone. You weren't meant to do it alone. The second principle, earnestly believe that God exists, I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. Principle three, choose to commit all my life and will to the care of Christ and his control. That's just you surrender. Don't surrender to the enemy coming after you. Surrender to God. Step one, go ahead and freak out. Step two, be still and trust that God has this. Exodus 14, 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. <laughs> so, step three stop praying <laughs> and move. Move. We have so many sayings as Christians that I wish we could just stop because they don't make any sense. Please finish this saying for me. When God closes the door, he? No, he doesn't. It's not in the Bible. Sometimes you think that opens a window and you go to get out and the window slams on your fingers. Sometimes. Sometimes you're supposed to just believe and kick down the door. Like it doesn't necessarily open a window. That, I don't even know where that came from. I suppose you could Google it. Sometimes you have to just move. The idea of waiting on the Lord in the Old Testament was this idea of being pulled and stretched. Maybe the door is wide open, but you don't fit. And so God's got to kind of pull you and stretch you and mold you until you fit. Now try. That's better. But there are things that we have to go through. There's training in this fight. When we face an obstacle that we aren't sure, there's only one way to go through an obstacle like this, and it's one step at a time. One day at a time. One moment sometimes at a time. He will lead us. He will guide us. But we have to move. They couldn't just stand there on the bank praying to God, make a way. I parted the sea. Get going. <laughs> just start one step at a time. But you have to move. Sometimes we don't know why. We, we don't even understand. You know, it's interesting because it says, Then Moses stretched out his hands over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. There's a wall of water on their right and one on the left. All that night he drove. Why did it take all night? Here's the army coming after us. There's a sea in front of us. We're going to die. 
And Moses stretched out his hands, Charleston Heston, and it took all night to push the water back. Couldn't have God just pushed the water back? Do you ever think about these things when you read the Bible? Or is it just me? <laughs> all night, they're like, <laughs> like, oh, I think the water's starting to move. I think step four is in the moving, be patient. It will not always happen like you want it to. It's not always, the solution is not always going to be what you want. The solution is not always going to, it's going to be right, it's going to be good, but it's not always going to be what you want. No matter how much we confess that this particular avenue, God might be like, if you do that avenue, it's going to be horribly wrong, we're going to do this thing. And all that night, the timing might not be ours, but he will make a way. He always makes a way. We need to be patient because it might not happen. Sometimes, I mean, our, my thinking is partly what got, us, got me into the mess that I'm in now. Though I tried my best thoughts, got me to where I was in this mess. And not everything's my fault in my life. Not everything is your fault in your life. A bunch of it is. Some of it's not, and we just have to trust that God knows, and we're following, and we're moving, and sometimes it's easier to steer a car that's moving. Step one, go ahead and freak out. Two, be still and trust that God has this. Step three, start moving. Step four, be patient while you move. It may not happen like you want it to. Finally, verse 23, the Egyptians pursued them and all this. Now the the army is coming after them. Like, I thought this was for us. (laughs) Now we're getting chased through the path you just made. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud in the, uh, at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so they had difficulty driving. That's hilarious. <laughs> of all the things that God could have done, he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jam the wheels. <laughs> and it, they didn't stop driving. They just had difficulty driving. Like, oh, they're coming after. Oh, no. Huh. They look confused and they slowed down. <laughs> I always wonder, did you wonder why God does stuff the way he does it? Doesn't make any sense. Why jam the wheels? You could have just like something else blown them up. What did the Egyptians say? And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. The victory may not look as you imagined, but what you thought was an obstacle that was going to be the end of you may turn out to be your best testimony. The very thing that you thought was going to be the end turns out to be the greatest story that God tells in your life. And the people that were your loudest critics may become your strongest witness. The Egyptians say, the Lord, they recognize, the ones that were going to kill the Israelites recognize that the Lord was fighting against Egypt. I believe that in the most difficult of fights, and I don't know what yours is, I've already talked to people this morning who are struggling, found out that they had cancer, and they start chemo tomorrow. And we had a chance to pray. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what your fight is, but we're in one. Let the Lord fight for you. But as he does, trust that he has the best plan. Start moving. Take some risks. Try to figure it out. He gave you a brain. He made you creative. You are made in his likeness, in his image. The creator of the universe made you his creation in his image. So we use that to be creative, move, trusting that his way is the best way, listening for his voice, be patient in the process, and God will give us the victory. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for your word and those that have gone before and the struggle that, though very different in the elements, similar in the outcomes that you provide the victory. God, as we take up this offering this morning, knowing that there are others that struggle and hurt, there are others that are facing obstacles that, that are insurmountable if, if you are not in them. And as the church, we get to be a part of helping and being generous and giving and to those that are struggling. God, we Pray that you would take these gifts and, and you would do miraculous things through your church and through your people. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.